0: Hello, fellow worshipers, and welcome to the Worshipper's Heart Podcast. I am so excited that you decided to be a part of this process and this journey with me. I am delighted that you take the time to listen and explore all the wonderful things that God has to say about worship, and I'm more excited that we're doing it together. So each time in these podcasts, I want to be intentional to share with you A part of my journey part of how I got here part of understanding worshiping God in spirit and in truth and being a true worshiper and understanding that it is part of the process is being a worshiper flowing into a worship leader so I want to share with you worship leading how I came into this role how this journey started for me how it shaped and changed my life. And I pray that as we go through this process together, that you will also do the same and continue to evaluate your life as I continue to evaluate with mine. So I wanna open up with a small portion of a song from James Fortune and Faya. And for those who aren't familiar with James Fortune, he is a gospel worship artist. And I'm going to read and share with you some of the lyrics from the song, I Owe All. And the lyrics say, Lord, you are so wonderful to me. Your holiness amazes me. I bow before you, majesty. O Lord, to you I owe my worship. Holy one, righteous son, Lamb of God, the one who was slain, to you I owe my worship. Lord, I give you everything I have. Yes, I do. I owe all my worship to you. I don't deserve all the things that you do. I owe, I owe my worship to you. Worship leader? Who would have thought I would be a worship leader? Who would have thought that I recognize worship leading as a calling and as a ministry? but I remember it like it was yesterday. I was going through a divorce and I was a member of a one month old planet church. All these things happening at the same time. And I was not adjusting or adapting well to change. I was actually shouting, who moved my cheese? As proclaimed from the book, Spencer Johnson, But I needed to adapt to the movement of my cheese, and I needed to do it quickly. The past worship leader decided that she and her family would leave the ministry abruptly. So our senior pastor made an executive decision that it would be me to be the new worship leader. I was not even prepared or aware of where God was taking or directing me. Yes, I'm a singer. Yes, I've always been a singer but a worship leader I was not. So with all the rebellion within me, I openly declined. With all the rebellion in me, I went forth into the position, kicking and screaming. Worship, what is this? And why am I overseeing it? Worship, lead a team, a team of who? And where was I supposed to lead these people? I was working full-time in the ministry, but I was still adjusting myself and my children and my life to being single again. I was trying to reevaluate who I was, where I was, and where I needed to be. And my mind was just shouting, much like Moses from Exodus 3:11, when Moses said to God, "Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt?" I was saying, "Who was I?" that I should lead this people? Who am I that I should go forth? Who am I? So my personal response to worship began in 2008. I was praying and crying and thirsting for God, but I knew in my heart that part of the responsibility he had entrusted me to in this role that only he could give me the wisdom and the guidance and the understanding to fulfill it. I was learning to trust him so much that if he said, Carol, walk through a wall, that I was going. I was learning to live out Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and to lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So I took on the role, and after nights of studying and crying and not sleeping, I began to see the direction. I began to align myself with where God was taking me. I began to study. I began to access and try to dissect the importance of worship and praise and leadership. But then I also apply them to my life, to my devotion, to my worship, and the corporate worship gathering. I found myself in the Word seeking an understanding of why we should worship and why it was important. And it quickly became the paramount to a battle to recognize that this was not a Sunday morning moment, but a lifestyle. I began to understand that it was required for me to worship every day. I began to understand that I had to walk into a life of true worship unto God. I began to understand that God wanted to be my personal savior. I began to understand that I was created in his image and likeness. I began to understand that he is my savior, my redeemer, and my king. I also began to understand that I couldn't pick and choose when I wanted to worship. When I wanted to acknowledge God when I wanted to give him reverence, when I wanted to proclaim his greatness, when I wanted him to move into my life, that this was a responsibility and a requirement for a lifetime. So this new place I found myself in began to take over everything that I did. I began to eat, sleep, drink, dissect, take apart, explore, worship like never before. I began to share and witness all of the great things that God has done for me. I began to share and witness with people, with anyone who would listen. And I knew that I could trust God with all of me. I recognized that the battle and the storm and the rough plate that I, that I was in was turning into moments of joy. Days of celebration and a life of victory. The tears I cried turned into joy. My happiness became peace. I began to acknowledge God for all things good and bad. And I know that it was this moment in worship that catapulted me to seek God for myself. And anything that seeked to hinder me that I couldn't see in the natural, I opened up my spirit to believe that God would never leave me or forsake me. It was so much joy. It was explosive that I wanted to share the goodness and the greatness of God and saving me from myself and for him to continue to show me my strength through him. So here I am enjoying and celebrating and having the best days of my life as a worshiper, as a worship leader, and enjoying this podcast with you. But I also recognize the battle it took for me to get here only developed and prepared me for this journey, for this moment, for this season, for this time, for this adventure with God. So I leave you with this. As much as you want to plan your own life, it has a way of surprising you with unexpected things that will make you happier than you originally planned. That's what we call God's will. We're gonna take a short break and come back as we explore more about a worshiper's heart. is the goodness of God the goodness of God lasts forever oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his compassion and loving kindness endure forever Psalms 107 1 God is good and does good you are good and do good teach me your statutes Psalms one nineteen sixty eight. God's goodness is great stored up and prepared for us. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who reverence fear you, which you have prepared for those who take refuge in you. Below the sons of man, Psalms 31 19. God's goodness is found in all creation for everything God has created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, 1 Timothy 4.4. 4. As defined by the New Oxford Dictionary, good is to be desired or proved of. The goodness of God is stored up, prepared, and found in all creation and everlasting. The goodness of God is connected to our blessing. It is not a reward program. It's a recognition of God's love and concern for us. His goodness shows us and demonstrates for us how important we are to him, how much he cares for us, how he desires us to adore him and him alone. The goodness of God was established from the beginning with Adam and Eve. In the first chapter of Genesis, God established and stated that everything he created was good. In the second chapter of Genesis, God establishes it was not good for man to be alone. Now the Lord God said, it is not good, beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Genesis 2, 18 through 25. The goodness of God is often overlooked. We live in a society where we do not recognize the true meaning of the word good. Remember we said that good defined by the new Oxford dictionary is to be desired or approved so when someone asks you how was your day how was lunch you say it was good based on the definition of the word was your lunch desired or approved was your lunch desired or approved was your day the same I've never heard anyone say my sandwich was desired or approved. The word good is so much more than how we use it. When we say God is good, we are saying God is desired, God is approved of, He is morally right, and He is righteous. As proclaimed in Psalms five nine. It says the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. So let's fill in the word good with the definition. The Lord is to be desired to all and his tender mercies are good over all his works. The Lord is approved of to all and his tender mercies, are over all his works. We have to remember not to use words so freely as we often do. But when I found this verse, I actually understood what the word good mean and how it changed my whole look and perspective on the goodness of God, that God is morally right, that God is to be desired, that God is to be approved, that he is righteous to all. It shows us a way we need to carry ourselves as believers. If we are called to be Christ-like, then we are called to be kind and right to all, not just the people we want. The Lord loves us all, and we are to treat all as God treats us. So let's be mindful when we use the word good. Here it is again in Psalms 119.68. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. You being God. God, you are desired. And you do desirable things. Teach me, God, your ways. That's what Psalms 119.68 is saying to us. So this verse describes the way we are to be as worshipers and worship leaders. Teach me your statutes teach me how to be good teach me how to be desired teach me the approval of you Lord that the Lord is good and the righteous that he is patient and kind when we are not and we make the choice if we decide to be good or if we ignore it and do what we want to do or do we actually humble ourselves So, I want to encourage us when we use words and we say God is good. What are we saying when we proclaim that God is good? God is to be desired, God is to be approved, the approval of. So, the next time someone asks you, How was your day? Think bigger than good, unless your day was desired, unless your day was approved of and by God. Then proclaim your day is good. But remember that in the goodness of God is also a portion of who we are called to be. So I wanna leave you with one final verse that states and referring to the goodness of God and talks about God being a stronghold in the day of trouble, stronghold being a defense, something we can count on. So we want to remember the goodness of God wrapped up around us, knowing that God desires us, knowing that God approves of us. And are we being a good example Of who God is. So as we lead. As we worship. Know that we can't get up. And have things in our heart. That are displeasing to God. Or have displeasure towards others. And proclaim that God is good. When we know that we've been. Out of order. Or raggedy. So let's not ignore that God wants our hearts, that God wants our hearts to be good. Let's not struggle with the idea and asking God to teach us his ways. Let's make an effort to align ourselves with the goodness and the desires and the approval and the moral right and the righteousness of God in his goodness. So when you're singing God is a good, good father, God is desired. He is an approval father. He is a righteous father. And remember that God is everything that we need wrapped up. And asks the Lord to teach us to be desired. To teach us the approval of him to teach us not to reject others, to teach us to love as he loves, and to teach us and show us the way that we need to carry ourselves as believers. And remember, when we add all those things together, all we need is a worshiper's heart. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, from whom comes all that is good, we praise you for all of your mercies, for your goodness that was created for us, your grace that sustains us, your wisdom that challenges us, your patience that was born with us, and your love that has redeemed us. Help us to love you and all of your children, to be thankful for all of your gifts by serving and delighting to do your will. We thank you, God, that you are the giver of all good. You continually pour your benefits upon us. We praise you that the mystery of life is a mystery of infinite goodness. We praise you for order. We praise you for nature. We praise you for the beauty and the bounty of the earth, for day and night, summer and winter, spring and fall. See time and harvest and for the gifts of loveliness that every season brings. We thank you and we thank you that you give us comfort, that you give us a life of joy. We thank you, God, for our friends and for our homes, for all the love. And we thank you, God, for the resurrection dawn, for bringing the glory of our risen Lord that makes every day new. And we thank you, God, for goodwill to all people. We bless you. We honor you. We desire to walk before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages.